Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today, a program on the Internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting in this chair, sitting over there in that chair, a safe distance away. Yeah. Surrounded by plexiglass. No. In her bubble. She's the Duchess of the Dork. She's Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley. Hello. How was your weekend? I this watched, is the first time we've talked. It really is. I watched a lot of terrible football. Like, I realized how many hours I wasted out of my weekend watching mm. just really bad football. You know what I watched this weekend? What? The Running Man. All right. Uh, it's a 1980s action movie starring um, Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. Um... Jesse the Body Ventura. There we go. And of course Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yo, by, but, but they took Parks and Rec off of Netflix. I didn't even get to finish it. Ugh. Boy, that sucks. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I did. apparently it's on. It's moving to the Peacock Network, yeah. which is that NBC Five or not NBC Five, but just NBC streaming. Mm. I was upset. Like Thoughts the, the one time I was like, okay, I've had enough of terrible football, and go to change it to watch something else. It's not even on there. Thoughts and prayers. Thanks. Do it first, fourth through the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Derek Del Rio, Andrew Christensen, Aaron Arbuckle, and Aaron Flynn. Welcome in, you spammers. Today, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's the bit now? Yeah. Mm. Today is Monday, October 5th, 2020. That's, not, that's why I don't get in the comments. That's why <laughs> I use you as like a filter. <laughs> October 5th, 2020. 52 days till Thanksgiving. Episode 1041. 1041. The number of batters faced by Joe Coleman in 1969. As a Washington senator. On today's show, me, amigos, uh, we're going to go an hour. We'll do it live. After it, we'll do a live big show. Going to have Monday morning fallout, overreact to the football weekend. We're going to be joined by the head coach of the 2 0 Laporte Bulldogs. Coach Anthony Renfro is going to join us here in just a minute. Then we're going to unveil the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press Week 7 Texas High School Football Rankings. You will get those in your mind creeps uh you will unveil the newest members of the uil 100 list 100 players 100 teams 100 rivalries we'll unveil those we'll announce the mr texas football player of the week nominees the dave campbell's texas football coaches of the week and we'll round it all out with a nice campus crawl with a look at the 12 fps teams in the state of texas so a lot to get to not a lot of time and by not a lot of time i mean we don't really have it hard out so like we could go for like four hours but we're not going no i have no we have to shoot the picks video. Oh, yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> I guess I should probably figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've got it like half scripted. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. We're good. It's true. I've got, it. I've got a little Word document, right? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I know the two games we're going to spotlight. Okay. Do you know which games we're going to spotlight? I think so. I bet you don't. You said one of them last week. Did I? Mm-hmm. Which was? I can't remember. Ah, see, you don't. <laughs> you said something about... Pickle! Yes, goodness. Hit the arrow at Simon time. Monday morning fallout. Of course, when we overreact to the football weekend, plenty react to this weekend. <laughs> we almost plenty. had Hildago start going after that. Plenty. <laughs> Let's start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one, rivalries mean more. 
So it's hard to kind of draw an overarching, I think, like theme to week six of the Texas high school football rank, uh, you know, world. But one thing I do think is interesting is that we had a lot of rivalry games that went on this past week. And we, we talked about it, a lot of them in, in the picks video, a lot of them just over the course of, of doing the um, just talking Texas high school football um, heading into the year heading into the week but the one thing that i do think is interesting is that when you take a look at each of the big rivalry games across the state i thought that they told us a lot more mm-hmm. i don't know if you want to say that lubbock coronado and lubbock cooper is a rivalry game maybe it is i don't think i don't necessarily think of that as like oh big rivalry it's just two teams in lubbock mm-hmm. But I do think that Coronado's twenty-eight nothing win over Cooper is really telling, mm-hmm. and a team that and, and and something that tells me it's like Love a Coronado when they can play defense like that is going to be an extreme problem. That's an example of, of a rivalry game. Denton Ryan and Denton Geyer is decidedly a rivalry game, and it told us a lot. It told us that Denton Ryan is pound for pound the best team in the state. Pretty stinking good. I mean, right now. Looking, looking the part. I mean, they look fantastic with their win over Geyer. If you want to call Carthage and Pleasant Grove a rivalry game, it's kind of butted a little bit. They played a couple the past couple of years, but Carthage's second half demolition mm-hmm. of Pleasant Grove, I think, it, it tells you more than just oh, they won a quote unquote rivalry game. Um, Didn't the Battle of the Bell? Battle of the Bell. Cam- uh, Rockdale's win over Cameron yeah. Yo, I think, shows us that yeah, Rockdale's on the way. On you know, yeah, they, they lost a couple of games, but they're on the come up, mm-hmm. and that they're they're you know doing things in, in a bigger way. I thought that uh, Tyler Legacy's win over Tyler. Yeah, right. Tyler Legacy, uh, former Tyler Lee, is off to a two and zero start and looking great, looking really really strong, and suddenly a team that we think has a chance to make some noise. That's a game that I think. It's certainly the Crosstown Showdown in Abilene was a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. And I thought Cooper's went over Abilene tells us that, yeah, the Cougs are, are serious. You know, that was one thing that I thought was was particularly interesting. And then, by the way, Longview's bounce back went over Marshall. Right? I thought, I thought that there was a lot of opportunity for us to find out some very bad things about Longview. If they go out there and just lay an egg against Marshall, instead they roared out and, and made it look like week one was an aberration. That's my thought, is that we learned a lot from rivalry games beyond who won the rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got to see a little bit more and get better. We got to have a better kind of grasp on who these teams are, uh, not only because of who they won and who won the game, and, and yeah, that, of course, matters in those particular towns, but also the just the, the sense that now we have a little bit better feel for those teams. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Thought number two, CFP goes poof. God, is that so, not right? So here's a fun fact. I have worked here at Dave Campbell's Sexist Football since 2011. 2011. My first magazine was when we put Jonathan Gray and Cyrus Gray on the cover in 2011. Okay? That was my first cover. Mm-hmm. And we have never had a team play for a national title. We didn't have it in the end of the BCS era. We didn't have it. We haven't had it yet in the college football playoff era. And so this is my 10th season covering college football in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. And for the 10th consecutive year, we won't be covering a national contender. No. Because it all ended this week. It really It is October 5th, and we can say that a team from the state of Texas will not play for the college football playoff. And I know there are going to be SMU fans who are out there hollering, Hey, what about us? We're 4-0. If you think that the college football playoff committee is going to let SMU into the playoff, I have some, I have something they to sell even, you. They don't even have – since it started, like, they haven't really let a Big 12 team – I mean, they, I am, other I, than Oklahoma. I am – and, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I love I, – I, I, of course, am, am rooting for SMU to get into the playoff. I'm rooting for Houston, whenever they start playing, mm-hmm. to get into the playoff, right? But I am also realistic that they're not going to let – a team no. like that, and especially like that, like because it's a political thing. It's not because SMU is not good enough. It's because it's a political thing. They're not going to get in the playoff, and as a result, Texas's loss mm-hmm. to TCU eliminates them from playoff contention. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, wait, what if they just run the one, run the table the rest of the way? Who is going to be a quality win for them 
Who's going to be a quality win right, for them the rest of the way? it would have been Oklahoma, but they're dog poop right now. Yes. Oklahoma's 0-2 in conference. Yeah. So that's going to be a quality win? Is your quality win going to be Oklahoma State? No. Texas is done. A&M goes to Alabama, and they get blown out. That's not necessarily surprising, but we can eliminate them mm-hmm. from college football playoff contention. Yeah, the biggest- TCU's out. Baylor had a chance, but then they go and they lose out West Virginia. Maybe if Baylor had run the table, you're talking about an undefeated Big 12 team. Maybe they get in. They lose to West Virginia. They're out. Texas Tech, of course, has two losses now. Right. The biggest thing TCU's to- got the loss to Iowa State. It's over. Yeah. It's over. The biggest thing that we can hope for is that SMU makes it to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. They either get in the Cotton Bowl or is it – what's the other one that's not a playoff this year? I don't remember. But that's that's what you hope for, like how Memphis made it in there last year. That's all that you can hope for at this right. point. That's that's the pinnacle. Yeah. That, yeah. At this point, we're talking about New Year's Six Bowls. Right. That's what we're hoping for. But the, the college football playoff for the state of Texas is done. It's over. It's finished. There are teams that I would like to see. I would like to see SMU run the table and go 12-0 and and or – Pelo, maybe eleven. I don't know how many games they have on their schedule. I'd love to see them go go undefeated, but no. And thought number three, defenses dazzle. I thought actually one of the big takeaways from the Texas high school football um, games this weekend was I came away really impressed with a number of defenses. I came away really impressed with DeSoto's defense. They pitch a shutout on Judson for the first time since 2005. Judson had not been shut out since 2005. Shirts Clemens goes to San Angelo Central and shuts out San Angelo Central, I think that was on the road, for the first time since 2008. They had been shut out since 2008. I thought that Duncanville, in their debut, looked really, really good defensively. Mm-hmm. I thought that Manville looked really good defensively. I thought there were a number of big-time contenders. Carthage, we mentioned them in, in the other going. I am. I was really impressed with the defense that you saw from a number of teams across the state. And no, normally that's not necessarily a surprise because defenses tend to be ahead of the offenses. But yeah, extremely, extremely impressive from the defensive perspective. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for Tomball Memorial running back Richard Rodriguez. He carried the ball 26 times for 239 yards and four touchdowns. Also caught a pass for 42 yards. A helmet sticker for Tom Ball Memorial running back Richard Rodriguez. A helmet sticker. Sweet, sweet cover boy. For our sweet, sweet cover boy, Shane (laughs) Bouchelle. He throws for 474 and three touchdowns and SMU's big win over Memphis. And a helmet sticker. I love this. To the Allen student section. Great work. Did you see it? Did, so Pickle, I tweeted it out. Pickle was at the game on 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 Friday. The uh, the uh, Allens win over Atascosita, and you took a picture of their student section. Yeah. And here's the thing, Allen is the biggest school in the state. They have 6,900 kids, mm-hmm. right? They should be the worst at this. Yes. Instead, you were there. And they were awesome. Every, everything about that stadium, but specifically the student section, they were all six feet apart, all of them. Every single one of them. Not a single person was standing next to each other. It was awesome. Yes. So good. It was. The whole stadium looked great, too. So here's they what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Boundaries. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to trash schools that are not abiding by uh, by the uh, social distancing guidelines and the mask uh, mandate. Although I see you. I'm not going to trash you. That's fine. Whatever. You know. Let God sort them out. But what I'm saying Mm-hmm. is that we will praise people who do good work. Mm-hmm. And Allen student section, thumbs up. Good job, Eagle student section. Three teams to worry about. Let's worry a little bit about Barbers Hill. This was kind of a team that was a little bit of a sleeper for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that we were, we were, uh, we, we thought, okay, this is a team that, that maybe could be uh, one of those teams that, that breaks in and, and contends there in 5A. They're off to an 0-2 start. They've lost two games by a combined four, uh, f- you know, five points, so I'm not really worried. And they're against two good quality squads in Katie Pato and Poor Earth Memorial. But they are 0-2. They are 0-2, and I did not necessarily see that coming. I thought they were favored in both those games. I'm a little bit worried about Barbers Hill. Let's worry about Texas Tech. Dude. Who goes, and now part of it is that Alan Bowman got knocked out. That Alan Bowman gets sucks. hurt. But a, a road game you probably should have won. Mm-hmm. And now, like, we're just, I don't know what this team is. And it's its a little disappointing that in a second year under Matt Wells, they look like this. So, a little worried about 
them. And you mentioned it on the show on Friday. Blum. Sweet Blum Bobcats. They lose to Abbott. Um, and they are 2-3 and three now in the year. Yeah, heading into district after Heading into district play. I think they'll make the playoffs. Right. But this is the defending 1A Division One state champions. And right now, they, they, they are a little bit out of sorts. Mm-hmm. They gave up 72. They gave up a huge game to Caden Johnson for Abbott. Um, which is, you know, Caden Johnson's been doing that to a lot of people. But uh, a little bit worried about Blum. Three teams to watch. How about Hawkins? Okay? If you're thinking, what's Hawkins? Hawkins finishes off. They beat Beckville 32-6 to to improve to 6-0. and They just clinched their first winning season since 2010. Very good, Hawkins. The Hawks, under Coach Scott Evans, are 6-0. and Keep an eye on them. TCU, you know, I sat here on free money on Friday, or Thursday rather, and I told you, I believe in the Gary Patterson bounce back. And that's what you saw, the Gary Patterson bounce back. I think that's what happens whenever you let Max Duggan kind of cook, let him cook a little bit. He was impressive. I thought he was impressive. Um, Defense made plays when they needed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas spit the bit a little bit, but TCU was right there to pick it up. I thought TCU, team to watch. And finally, San Antonio Johnson. Um, This was a team in Johnson that we um, we were excited to see finally take the field. They had a big game against O'Connor, and they looked the part in their big win. Uh, they go and beat them 35-21. Uh, very impressed with the Jaguars uh, with their win over O'Connor. Keep an eye on them as they now head directly into district play. Look, they're going to be favored in the next few games. They get a big game on the 22nd against San Antonio Brandeis. That'll be a big measuring stick, but keep an eye on San Antonio Johnson. That... It's three teams to watch. That is Monday Morning Fall. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's our subscription package. Two magazines, years worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. If you go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. And let's bring in the head coach of the 2-0 Laporte Bulldogs. We are joined by Coach Anthony Renfro. Coach, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Excellent. How are things in beautiful Laporte, Texas? Oh, it's going awesome. I, I I can imagine you guys are coming off of a win, a big win Thursday night over Clear Lake, a 27-3 to uh, victory. The thing that stands out for me about your squad so far, uh, defense seems like it's doing work. You get a big win over Deer Park in the opener, 17-6, to then 27-3 to against Clear Lake. What is it about this defense that has you guys cooking right now? Well, we we got a lot of guys back from last year. You know, we were in a we were in a tough six A district last year with North Shore and Westbrook and C King and um, Deer Park. You know, and and those guys. You know, we went through some growing pains. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that I'd moved to defense that had never played defense before, um, and just in learning the system and figuring it out and, and playing those good teams with the speed of the game. Uh, you know, it's not it's not fast for them anymore. They they you know they're seeing things and and they're playing faster and they understand. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest reason that we're playing as good as we are on defense right now. You, this is your second year there at Laporte after being the defensive coordinator there at Clear Springs. Um, obviously, you've now had uh, two, uh, let's say, strange off seasons. You get f- hired in February. The first off season is 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 of course uh, always crazy for a coach, and then of course this off season, which is what it is. Um, uh, what do you know now about this? this team and this program that maybe you didn't know uh, when you took the job? Well, uh, when I took the job, I knew, I knew they always had, you know, uh, blue collar, hardworking, physical kids, you know, every chance, every time you saw them play, uh, they played hard. They may not have been the most talented team, but I mean, they played hard. Um, and, you know, I'd seen them for a couple of years and it wasn't long ago that, you know, they, they beat Katie and went to the regional finals. Um, so, you know, I knew the talent was here, but, but we have, um, this year, I mean, our senior class, I mean, we got 40 kids in our senior class and, and, uh, you know, we got a guy that started as a freshman on varsity, you know, so that, I mean, we've got a lot of kids that have, you know, been here and played a lot of football and their, and their football IQ, they worked real hard at getting smarter at the game of football. 
Um, and, and that's something that's really impressed me is, is how much they care and they, and they want to win because they know it's important to this community. You know, you mentioned that the, the commitment that you saw from, from your players. I'm interested, especially in this kind of strange offseason that you guys just, just went through, how you stayed engaged with your guys, knowing full well that you can't get together, get in the same room with them as much as you'd like. How were you able to stay connected, stay engaged with, with your guys uh, during the, the long, strange offseason? Well, uh, the you know one thing we did is we had we had an app that had a workout on on there for them every day, and they logged their workout. So they would do the workout, and they would put in there how many reps they did, or or how you know how they changed the workout or manipulated it to you know add weight or whatever. Um, and, and we took inventory of what kids had at home and and made the workout specifically for each kid. Um, you know, and our strength coordinator really did a good job with that. And then as a team, we would meet. You know, we take advantage of the time that UIL gave us to meet every week. And uh, we would meet virtually with them by positions and uh, we just talk football and go through video and, and install and, and teach them, you know, how, how to make uh, checks and adjustments to things that we do offensively and defensively. And, you know, that, that really, I think that's really paid off for our kids too. Um, because I, you know, that going back to their football IQ and how hard they've worked at it, I, I think it's really helped us. We're talking with Anthony Renfer, the head coach of the LaPorte Bulldogs here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag Today. Coach, I know one of the guys that gets a lot of the headlines for, for y'all is your big defensive tackle, Albert Regis. He's, he's 6'1", 300, a guy who's, who's got offers, uh, I count 17 offers, including A&M, Texas uh, Tech, Arkansas, etc. Um, you know, you can watch the film and you can see the, the kind of difference that he makes on, on the field, but but I'm interested as as the guy who, who sees him every day in practice, as this the guy who, who you know, is, is, is working with him every day. What is it about uh, Albert Regis that sets him apart? Uh, just just the type of person he is. I mean, he's a, he's a great kid. He comes from a, you know, a great family. Uh, you know, they, they're hardworking people. They don't have much. They, they have to earn everything they got. And, and Albert kind of has that same mentality. You know, uh, he doesn't expect anything to be given to him. Uh, he's going to show up and do whatever is best for the team. You know, he's having to play fullback and, and defensive line and, and we move him around and throw him the football some. And, um, you know, he didn't, when I first got here, he was a tight end, you know, and I was like, man, you're a defensive lineman all the way. And it took some convincing and some time for, you know, me to develop that relationship for him and him to trust me. But once he wanted to do it, I mean, he's been all in. Um, and you're starting to see just him getting the game reps and figuring out, you know, how to play defensive line. He's getting really good at it. You know, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. I mean, I've never coached anybody as good as him, and I've coached some really good ones. But I think it all comes down to just his, his work ethic and his, his mentality about how he goes about things. Uh, I, I want to go back a couple of weeks uh, because you guys opened uh, your season uh, at, at home taking on Deer Park. I know that um, – I know that's a, that's a, that's a big game in the community, and I know. Look, I I know that that every coach says going one and zero, which every week is the most important thing. But was it a challenge for you guys right out of the gates after a long off, long strange off season to go and play the game you got to win when you're down <laughs> there against Deer Park? Was that a challenge for you guys, or was it something you guys really embraced? Uh, you know. Uh... Man, it seems like we were practicing forever, you know, because UIL allowed us to do skills and strength and conditioning starting in August. Um, you know, one thing, the, the week before we played Deer Park, we scrimmaged Clear Falls, and, and they're really good, uh, a good football team. And, and the speed of the game and the scrimmage kind of got to us a little bit. But once we once we calmed down and, and we just played and our kids lined up, um, the speed of the game, you know, they we were fine. Um, so I think that helped get us ready for Deer Park. Um, you know, just the rivalry and the kids understanding what that game means. And, you know, they, they don't want to ever be the team that, you know, didn't beat Deer Park their senior year. So they were really focused. Um, you know, we were concerned about Deer Park's size up front. They're big, they're physical, but, you know, our kids matched that physicality and, and played really well. And, uh, you know, it was an up and down game. Uh, you know, they even had a lead at one time and then, um, we kind of got going offensively, and Eric Bright, our big running back, got going and rushed for 170 yards. And our old line, you know, you can see that we're in year two of the program. They're understanding things. They're blocking things well. We're able to make some adjustments. And so, I mean, it was big, big win for our program. Uh, and now, Coach, it's it's into district play. Uh, you guys, and, and, and quite an opener uh, as it's going yeah. down uh, uh, Friday at 7 o'clock uh, there in LaPorte as you guys will host Port Arthur Memorial. I know you're already working on the Titans. They're 2-0 on the year. Uh, I don't want to ask you to give away your game plan, but when you take a look at what you guys are going to be up against on Friday night, what do you see? 
the the fastest team that we've played this year and that you know that's the thing that concerns me is their team speed um you know they got their quarterback who can I mean he can run and he's a good quarterback he can throw the football so he's a true dual threat guy uh you know their defensive linemen they got they got two big defensive ends one of them's committed to Texas they got the big corner I mean they got they got good football players everywhere um but I mean we're gonna we're gonna do what's helped us get to this point we're gonna run the football we're gonna play good defense and and try not to give up big plays on defense and and not turn the ball over on offense we feel like that's our recipe for success and we're gonna continue to work on those things He's Anthony Renfro. He's the head coach of the Laporte Bulldogs. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on the fantastic start, and uh, best luck Friday night against Port Arthur Memorial. Thanks, sir. I appreciate it. There he goes. Anthony Renfro, head coach of the Laporte Bulldogs, joining us here on Texas Football Today. Opening up against Deer Park. We did. I've been to that game. When I was my first year with Fox, when we do, were doing games on the road, we did a game at Laporte? Or was it at Deer Park? don't know uh but we were down there uh for for the deer park laporte game and it was an excellent big excellent game. i think it was at laporte i think it was at laporte great stadium there and the laporte fans of course wore um like hunting camo mm-hmm. uh because they're going deer hunting right it's perfect anyway <laughs> uh appreciate coach anthony Renfro hopping on with us uh, to talk about his bulldogs we are at texas football today we're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com Talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is the official rankings provider of the Associated Press. We've been that for the last two years. We put out the most respected Texas high school football rankings anywhere in the state of Texas. And each week here on Texas Football Today, we unveil them. Your Week 7 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press official Texas high school football rankings are as follows. We will start with Class 6A. In 6A little bit of shakeup, specifically DeSoto makes a nice jump from number 10 to number 6. Their big win over Converse Judson. Also up a few spots are Spring Westfield with their win over uh, Fort Penn Hightower and Cy Fair with their win over Cy Park. Uh, elsewhere, another big winner, Bridgeland. They take down Alvin Shadow Creek, who tumbles to number 15. Uh, uh, Bridgeland up nine spots to number 14. Three newcomers to the rankings. Number 22, Flower Mount Marcus is 2-0 with a 27-10 win over McKinney. Number 23, Temple. They are 2-0 with a 28-13 win over Magnolia West. And Katie Taylor moves to into the rankings at number 24 with their win over Richmond George Ranch. To 5A we go, where not a whole lot of changes in the top six. In fact, none of them. Ryan, Highland Park, Lancaster, Richmond Foster, Manville, and Cedar Park. Longview bounces back with a big win over Marshall. They are up a spot to number seven. College Station up two spots from number 10 with their win over Fort Bend Bush. Frisco Lone Star tumbles from number seven to number 10. They hang on. Amarillo Tascosa drops out with their loss to Midland Lee. And in their place at number nine, Lubbock Coronado, whose 28 nothing win over Lubbock Cooper, awful impressive. Over 5A Division Two, a few idle squads, including Ennis, but Alito stays number two with their win over Frisco Lone Star. AM Consolidated up three spots to number three with their win over Leander Rouse. Wichita Falls Ryder up to number four. Fort Bend Marshall drops a spot with their very narrow win over Fort Bend Elkins. Uh, Frisco up a couple of spots. Mansfield Timberview was idle. They, are da- they remain the same. Bernie Champion up a spot. Lubbock Cooper tumbles from number three to number nine. Marshall drops out with their loss to Longview. In their place, Texas High 24-3 to three winners over Denison. They cracked the top 10 at number 10. To 4A we go. Where? Chalk. <laughs> Big time chalk. A lot of chalk. Literally exactly the same. Argyle Lane passes La Vega, Calhoun, Cal Allen, Canyon, Melissa, even with their loss to Argyle, but that's Argyle. Uh, Springtown, El Campo, and Fredericksburg. A lot of idols. Lane passes Calhoun, El Campo, and Fredericksburg were all idle. Mm-hmm. 4A Division 2 we go where almost all chalk. West Orange Stark nudges above Pleasant Grove for the number two spot as Pleasant Grove loses to Carthage. Carthage maintains their stranglehold on the number one spot. Everything else exactly the same. Jasper, Belleville, China Spring, Gilmer, Iowa Park, Wimberley, and Center round out your top ten. To 3A Division 1 we go 
where the top four are unchanged, Brock, Grandview, Pottsboro, Malakoff, shallow water up a spot with their win over Brownfield. Yoakum was idle, but they nudge up a spot. Mount Vernon beats Commerce. They're up another spot. Wall and Lano idle, but they nudge up a spot. Hallettsville at number five. Their loss to Jim Ned knocks them out of the top ten in their place. Jim Ned, number 10. Hallett's, they knock off Hallettsville 24-21 and find their way into the top 10 in 3A Division One. Over in 3A Division Two, do you like chalk? Because here's Apparently. some chalk. <laughs> exactly the same. Canadian Gunner, Spe- uh, Dangerfield, East Bernard, Poth, Spearman, Franklin, Lexington, Idaloo, and Childress. Of note, Canadian beat Spearman by forfeit. Yes. As a result... Uh, they they both remain exactly the same. Canadian stays there. You're wondering, you know, Spearman lost, quote unquote. They stay the same at number six because, in our opinion, the loss is not indi- uh, indicative of the quality of the team. And this is supposed to be a ranking of the quality of the team. So Spearman, despite the loss, will drop to well, drops to five and one, but they will stay the same at number six. That is of note. Also of note, we count Canadian at three and one is the official position of Dave Campbell's Texas football that you can only play one game per week. The Spearman game has to count because it's a district game. As a result, Canadians win over that team from Kansas will go down in our books as a scrimmage win. That is our books. Uh, I'm certainly uh, willing to have conversations about that. But Canadian moves to three and one with their forfeit win over Spearman. To two way we go. Where almost all chalk one through eight. This all is such stand. a week seven ranking system. <laughs> Shiner, Refurio, Post, Lindsay, Joaquin, San Saba, Crawford, and Tempson all unchanged at the number eight spot with four of those teams idle. The rest of them winners. San Augustine nudges up a spot with their win over West Harden and into the rankings number ten. Sundown who cracks the rankings despite not even playing. Good to be the Roughnecks. <laughs> to two A Division two we go. Where. Again, mostly chalk. Uh, we do have a newcomer to the rankings. We'll get to them in a moment. But Mart, Hamlin, Wellington, and Winthorst and Wink all unchanged. Wheeler, Albany, Cristoval, and Fall City all up a spot. Vega cracks back into the top ten with their win over Clarendon. They replace Clarendon in the rankings. To Class 1A, with the help of Granger Huntress of SixManFootball.com, our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Six-Man Football Insider. Uh, a few changes here. Rankin uh, nudges ahead of Borden County, who was idle, as Rankin beats Nueces Canyon. Happy a big mover. Their win over uh, Meadow jumps from number 5 to number 9. Uh, May, uh, May and Lakey the same. Union Hill beats St. Joe, drops a couple of spots. Despite uh, despite that, Jonesboro up down a spot with their win over Bryson to make room for the aforementioned happy. And due to the rankings, Idle Knox City nudges into the top 10 at number 10. To 1A Division 2 we go. The top four unchanged. Balmeray, Richland Springs, Motley County, and Jonesboro, or Calvert rather. Uh, Groom up two spots with a win over Miami. Uh, Klondike up two spots. They remain unbeaten, unbeaten with a win over Whitharrell. Jayton down two spots despite beating Roby, but that's to make room for Groom and Klondike. Follett up a spot. Strawn down a spot. And new to the rankings, 5-0 and Fannindale out of Ladonia. Fannindale into the top 10 at number 10. To the private school ranks we go, where it is unchanged in the 11-man ranks. Parish Episcopal, Fort Worth, Nolan, Trinity Christian, Cedar Hill, and Plano John Paul II, all winners. Cornerstone was idle. They remain number 5. And in the 6-man ranks, also unchanged. Austin Veritas, Fredericksburg, Heritage, New Braunfels Canyon, or Christian rather, and Bastrop Tribe consolidated at number 5, all winners. Dallas Lake Hill was idle. They remain the same at number four. You can find these rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings. We are the official rankings provider of the Associated Press. Now, Miss Pickle, mm-hmm. let me find this so I can make sure I say the nice things. In celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas High School football, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the sport's illustrious history. With the help of some of the state's foremost experts and historians, the UIL and DCTF will honor 100 of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, 100 of the finest teams to grace the gridiron, and 100 of the most famous fabled rivalries that give the game its one-of-a-kind flair. Each week throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas Football announces 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football history. Fans will then have the opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named to the UIL 100 fans' choice. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating UIL's 100 players, 100 teams, and 100 rivalries 
and Fans Choice Top 10 in each category at the UIL Texas High School Football State Championship Games at AT&T Stadium in Arlington this December. You can vote at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. We will start with the newest entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. A hundred. Uh, we're going to name a hundred players over the course of the season. And new to the new to this list this week: Beaumont, Charlton, Pollard, defensive lineman Bubba Smith, Highland Park running back Doak Walker, Sweetwater quarterback Sammy Ball, Refurio quarterback Travis Quintanilla, Lubbock offensive lineman EJ Holub, Dangerfield offensive lineman Willie Everett, Beaumont Westbrook defensive lineman Jerry Ball, Houston Westbury defensive back Dave Elmendorf. Grand Prairie Dalworth wide receiver Charlie Taylor and Hawkins defensive back Stanley Richard. You can vote for which player you believe deserves to be on the UIL UIL Fans Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. From players to teams we go. The newest entries into the Dave Campbell's Texas Football UIL Texas High School Football 100 Years 100 Teams list. 1973 John Tyler. 1993 Converse Judson. 2003 Gainesville, 2017 Texarkana Pleasant Grove, 1945 Highland Park, 1978 Houston Stratford, 2000 Midland Lee, 1960 Denver City, 1985 Dangerfield, and 2018 Newton. Vote for which team you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. And finally, the newest entries into the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. Corpus Christi Miller versus Corpus Christi Ray. Midland Lee versus Odessa Permian. Bartlett versus Granger. El Paso Franklin versus El Paso Coronado. Midland versus Odessa. Temple versus Belton. Mesquite versus North Mesquite. Clarendon versus Memphis. Del Rio versus Eagle Pass. And Giddings versus Smithville. Those are the newest entries into the 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. Uh, you can vote for which rivalry you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL100. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbells, And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. About halfway there. I know. I'm not worried. Are you worried? <laughs> Dave Campbell's Texas Football in conjunction with the Texas Bowl is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon, 1238 and 22 seconds. TexasFootball.com announces 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you at TexasFootball.com where you can vote for which player you believe should be the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. Voting closes each Friday at noon with the uh, winner announced here on this program shortly thereafter. Your Week 6, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Eastland quarterback Baron Morton <clears throat> threw for 425 yards and five touchdowns. He ran for 112 yards and five touchdowns. He kicked 10 PATs, and he averaged 42.3 yards punting in their 91-61 to win over Panhandle. I'm sorry, 91-71. I don't want to shortchange Panhandle. Yeah. He scored 71. That's that. Did you say the highest scoring? It's the fourth highest scoring game since 1961. That's, that's just insane. Panhandle wide receiver Zach Wood on the other side of that game. <laughs> 15 catches, 334 yards, and, and three touchdowns receiving uh, for Zach Wood, the uh, receiver for the Panhandle Panthers. Let me pull this up real quick. Hold on. That's got to be somewhere in the in the in the record books close to it. Let me pull this up real quick. This is this is really exciting. Hold on, yards receiving in a game. So that at three hundred and thirty-four, that is going to be in the top like twenty, but not in the top like ten. Very impressive for Zach Wood. El Paso Eastlake quarterback Orion Olivas threw for three hundred fifty-nine yards and six touchdowns passing. Welcome back. Eastlake. Midland Greenwood running back Trey Cross ran for 366 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. Stephenville running back Cason Phillips ran for 275 yards and six touchdowns on the ground, and he had 74 yards receiving. Austin High quarterback Charles Wright threw for 206 yards and six touchdowns through the air, and he added 74 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the Maroons. 
Longview Pine Tree quarterback DJ Freeman's back. He goes 15 of 17 for 329 yards and five touchdowns passing. He also ran for 98 yards and a score on the ground. Have yourself a day. Brian Rudder athlete Keith Ron Lee had 12 catches, 245 yards, and four touchdowns receiving. He also had 103 yards and two touchdowns rushing for Keith Ron Lee. I told it was a ridiculous week. Yeah. Corpus Christi Miller wide receiver Adrian Lloyd, seven catches, two hundred and thirty-three yards, and three touchdowns through the air for Corpus Christi Miller wide receiver Adrian Lloyd. And finally, Quana quarterback and defensive back Landon Lasia, two hundred and forty-eight yards and three touchdowns passing, two hundred and forty-two yards and three touchdowns rushing, eight tackles and an interception. <laughs> oh my god. For Quana quarterback and defensive back Landon Lasia. So those are your week six Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Eastland quarterback Baron Morton, Zach Wood of Panhandle, Orion Olivas of El Paso Eastlake, Trey Cross of Midland Greenwood, Cason Phillips of Stephenville, Charles Wright of Austin High, DJ Freeman of Longview Pine Tree, Keith Ron Lee of Brian Rudder, Adrian Lloyd of Corpus Christi Miller, and Landon Lasia of Quana. Vote early, vote off, and vote now at TexasFootball.com, and good luck. Yeah, that was, I mean, I got, that's some that's, numbers. That's an example of a week where I'm really glad I don't have to pick one. No, because how how do we how do you narrow that down? There's no way. You don't. Like you, we can narrow like, it down to ten. That's uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I narrowed it down to ten. That's like, the best we can do. We we're not doing like, it after that. Like I know you know how earlier in the show we did um we did helmet stickers. Uh huh. Like so a lot of those helmet stickers come off of guys who just dropped off. And I want you to consider that the guy who got the helmet sticker in Tomball Memorial running back Richard Rodriguez ran for two hundred thirty nine yards and four touchdowns. And yeah. Didn't make this list. That's insane. Anyway, Dave Campbell's Texas football is proud to honor one head football coach. In each classification, with the Coach of the Week Award, each coach recognized with a special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 6, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Mark Soto from San Antonio Johnson. The Jaguars were impressive in Soto's debut with a 35-21 win over San Antonio O'Connor on Thursday night. The Jags raced out to a 35-7 lead after three quarters and coasted to, the lead, to a win. In 5A, Jason Fiaco from Cleveland. Coach Fiaco, in his first season at the helm of Cleveland, promised improvement in 2020, and the Indians have proven Coach Fiaco's promise correct, breaking a 24-game losing streak Friday night with an emphatic 60-27 win over Houston Northbrook. Congratulations to the Indians. In 4A, Rick Molina from Somerset, after an emotional week that started with the community of Somerset, saying its final goodbye to beloved head coach Sonny Detmer at a funeral on Monday. Molina's squad did Coach Detmer and Somerset proud Friday, knocking off Tolosa midway 30-26 to give their Bulldogs their first win of 2020. In 3A. Please say the next one correctly. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. It's Irvin Cheeseburger Chandler <laughs> of Blooming Grove. <laughs> Coach Chandler and the Lions are off to an outstanding 4-2 and two start and 2-0 and in District 7, 3A Division 2 after their 18-15 win over Edgewood. <laughs> Good job, Cheeseburger. I was thinking, Tep, you got to peel back the curtain on that one. Tep literally texted in the Slack chat when, when he saw that and went, Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. It was so great. <laughs> 2A, Darren, Darren Kelly from Farwell. Farwell needed a game this week, and unbeaten Italy was quick to oblige. The problem was that the two schools were more than 400 miles apart. No problem for Coach Darren Kelly's squad, who improved to 4-1 in the year and ended Italy's unbeaten season with a 21-14 win over the Gladiators. And in 1A, Nathan Hayes from Water Valley, after struggling through the early part of the season due to COVID-19 restrictions, Coach Hayes rallied his squad for their first win of the year, stunning Highland with a 70-32 win. And in the private school ranks, Phil Tao from Colleyville Covenant. Despite losing their starting quarterback, the Cougars' defense stood tall, and Covenant rallied in the second half to take down district rival Lubbock Trinity Christian 21-20. So those are your Week 6 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. Mark Soto from San Antonio Johnson in Class 6A. Jason Fiaco from Cleveland in Class 5A. Rick Molina from Somerset in Class 4A. Irvin Cheeseburger Chandler from Blooming Grove <laughs> in Class 3A. Darren Kelly from Farwell in Class 2A. Nathan Hayes from Water Valley in Class 1A. And Phil Tao of Colleyville Covenant in the private school ranks. Congratulations to all the coaches, and thanks for all you do for players, coaches, and communities. we got to go back. This is the perfect time to uh, repurpose that cheeseburger interview. There's never been a better time than now. Do you have it, like, with you? Yeah, it's, it's on our YouTube page. Oh, yeah. Go find the cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, for on the show. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, no, you don't have to. I, I thought you had it ready. To no, 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 no. No, we're good. Um, we're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com. Talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. All right, Pickle. 
It is time to round out the show with a nice campus crawl. A look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. Uh, of course, they are in a mystery order. If you can guess the order, then we will tell you that you are right. Yeah. We'll start with Texas State. DNP. <laughs> Didn't play. We'll move to North Texas. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's not. Um. So, Southern Miss walks into North Texas. And North Texas, I want to be clear. North Texas was wounded in this game. North Texas was, it sounds like, without almost every one of their linebackers. Yes, the the whole defense was the defense got basically not like. And, and so turns. I'm willing to give them a little bit of grace for giving up 437 yards to North Texas. I am, but in the end, you can't give up 202 yards on the ground. You can't like you just can't mm-hmm. do it. And furthermore, like you also just you can't lose three fumbles. Like that's the biggest thing yeah. is that they can't hold on to the ball. They can't hold the ball. And if they don't turn the ball over, they're probably winning that game. But they, they were. But the bottom line was the bottom line was that they were minus two in the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. And when you're facing a team like Southern Miss, which is a team I think you're you're probably better than, mm-hmm. or at least equal to, at least equal to. If you're minus two in the turnover margin, that's church. And that's the turnovers it. happened. At the 15-yard line, yeah. at the 25-yard line. Like, it wasn't like they could, had to make it down the whole field. They were right there. No. That team just – those coaches need to get those guys ready and say, look, even though you're backups, it's 2020, and that doesn't mean anything. You're going to probably see some playing time. They need to treat everyone – like, get everyone's mind right to be a starter because they just look confused I thought, out there. I thought Austin Ani was okay. I thought Deontay Simpson was very good mm-hmm. in the game. But overall, it's disappointing, and now North Texas is, is one and two. So, disappointing day for them. From one side of the Metroplex to the other, let's go to SMU. And from a one positive. side of the spectrum to another. <laughs> as SMU scores a 30-27 to 27 win over Memphis. And look, um, I'm not here to tell you that it was super pretty. They gave up 500 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's an, it's a, it's, the name of the game is, is, is wins. They jump out to an early lead. They kind of squander it. They end up winning on a last-second kick uh, by uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Chris, Chris Nager. He knocks through the, the game-winning field goal as they win. Uh, Bouchelle was excellent, 32-45, 474, and three touchdowns. He was excellent. They finally they were not able to run the ball, which was a little bit concerning. It's the first time really that's happened this year that they haven't been able to run the ball, mm-hmm. but they more than made up for it. It's 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 good good and bad. Like on one hand, Reggie Roberson had an unbelievable game. Reggie Roberson also left the game with an injury, so we hope he's okay. But in the end, look, your nationally ranked SMU Mustangs, yeah, four zero, feeling good. The only four zero team in the country. Well, and I think honestly, the fact that this team it like it wasn't a pretty game no. almost will probably give them a little more confidence that they know they can go out against a good opponent and just they can finish games. They found a way to win. They came up with big turnovers when it counted. They, they mm-hmm. forced four turnovers. Uh, a great win. A great win for SMU uh, against a Memphis team that I think they wanted to get a little level of revenge against. Absolutely. Uh, feeling like they, they sh- probably should have beaten Memphis last year at the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, they come through and they get a big win. They're 4-0. And now, who's next on their docket? They play. They get a week off and then they go 2-2 lane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, look. It's looking good. Feeling good for SMU. Good, good stuff. Houston. It is October 5th, and they have not played a game. They will try this week. Again. TCU. Um, I, I'm a big believer in the Gary Patterson bounce back, mm-hmm. as you can tell. I'm a big believer in the Gary Patterson bounce back, and I thought that they did a couple of things really, really well in this game. First and foremost, obviously, they were opportunistic about their, about their turnovers. Uh, they they didn't look. They only turned the ball. They, they, you know they they it was an even, or no? They were they were plus one in the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. But the big turnover at the goal line was, was huge. huge. It was huge. It changed the game. Um, I thought you saw Max Duggan really looking for the most part in command of the offense. Yeah, he wasn't spectacular. No, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't the best quarterback in the country. He was pretty good. I was impressed and by his run game. 
He he was leading rusher. He, yeah. By the way, second leading rusher, Kendra Miller, our buddy from Mount Enterprise. Yep. Um, really nice win for TCU on the road to go and get a win, um, and and to come up with again, it's a it's a, it's a game of margins, right? Mm-hmm. I thought the defense played pretty well overall, mm-hmm. gave up a couple of big plays here and there, but I thought the defense played pretty well for the most part, and they came through. They won in the margins. That's where they won, and they come through with a big win. Great win for TCU. Let's go to Baylor. Yikes. All right. Okay. Look, it's only two games, okay? Mm-hmm. It's only two games. And I don't want to go crazy, okay? I want to go crazy. This offense is a problem. They have to And not in like a out. not in like a good way of like we talk about a team like they're going to be a problem. I mm-hmm. like I mean this offense I don't know what it is. Charlie Brewer didn't suddenly become a bad quarterback overnight. Yeah, what is going on at the quarterback position? But part of it is that they will not let him throw more than like five yards down the field. Mm -mm. And I don't understand why. And it's not like they have this unbelievable running game to bounce back on. They averaged less than a yard a carry. Yeah. They couldn't run the ball. And Charlie Brewer was like, they were... I do not get now. Now again, I want to be clear that I like I did not think that Charlie Brewer was particularly sharp in this game, right. and I didn't think he was particularly sharp in their opener either. So it's not all on the play calling, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the play calling has been really baffling. Mm-hmm. And like I understand, like look, they're working in a new a new offensive coordinator in, in Larry Fedora. They're they're working him and they're trying to figure out what else. But it is becoming abundantly clear that the coaches don't trust Charlie Brewer. No, I I yeah, I think that's. No, I, think I know he threw he threw two picks, right? Two picks. One of them was not really his fault. Mm-hmm. The other one was fine. Bad throw. Okay, it happens. But like, if you don't trust him. Then you need to go to the backup. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Then you need to go to Gary Bohannon. But, like, right now, that was my overwhelming feeling. It's like, I don't know what, like, I don't know if he just, like, is not on Larry Fedora's good side right now. But they yeah. will not let him throw. And, or at least it push it down the field at all. He made a couple of really nice throws. They were coming back. They end up losing in double overtime to West Virginia. But, like... I just I, I agree with you. Completely. Really like, stunning. If you're not going to trust him, why in the world are you not putting in the backup? If you like, if you if you don't trust him to make plays, then why is he playing? Yeah, don't sit in that little gray area. Just go one way or the okay. other. Okay. Anyway, uh, Rice still has not played. I don't think they're even supposed to play this week. I think they've still got another week. I remain skeptical. <laughs> UTEP did not play because they're too busy. They're too busy soaking in these dubs. Yeah, too busy. Soaking Hop in these on the dubs. train. <laughs> soaking in these dubs. All these dubs. <laughs> did not play. Texas Tech. They did play. Maybe would have preferred they didn't. So Alan Bowman gets hurt. That that just and it's sucks. like it's like. It's uh, look. It's not his fault, but it's like. There does come a point where it's like, is he too fragile to put out there? It's like it was like, yeah, it seemed like Derrick Rose when he first got in the league. Yeah. Like you, he's injury prone. He's just injury prone. Man. Now Henry Columbia goes comes in there and, and plays okay. He plays okay for a backup. Um, they ran the ball okay too. I thought Xavier White and, and Sir Roderick Thompson were, were solid. They could not contain Deuce Vaughn. Round Oxy to Rich stand up. They could not contain Deuce Vaughn. And by the way, it's not like Kansas State was at full strength. They lost their quarterback too. Skylar Thompson went out of this game. Um, I am. I it's it's concerning that you can lose a quarterback and suddenly your offense goes from pretty good to terrible. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, but like mediocre. And their defense is not good enough to hold them in if their offense is only mediocre. So this is a problem. I don't know what the prognosis is for Alan Bowman. We mm-hmm. certainly hope he comes back quick. But this was disappointing, and they're one and two on the. It end. hurts the morale of the team too to lose the heartbreaker to Texas, and then to come back and your starting quarterback gets hurt. Like that doesn't bode well for anybody's moral, you know. By the way, they're out west. For, they're out Iowa State this week. UTSA. Well, they covered. <laughs> um, look, Frank Harris didn't play in this game. Mm-mm. 
And you saw what happened when they don't have consistent quarterback play because they couldn't figure out. They, they ran through JoJo Weeks. Mm-hmm. They ran through Lowell Narcisse. They ran through Josh Atkins. They ran. They tried everything. Since here McCormick tried his damnedest mm-hmm. to keep them in this game. He was pretty good. And the defense, I thought, played pretty well against a U- UAB offense that, that can cook a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought they played pretty well. But in the end, they just couldn't come up with the big plays and not having a quarterback certainly hurts. Uh, now, credit to the defense. They held them in, but undefeated no longer at UTSA Falls. They lose their, they lose their first game of the year. They now play at BYU. Oh. Yikes. Why'd you schedule that game? That's random. Well, it's probably just, let's find somebody to play. Yeah. Texas. Big yikes. Real big yikes on this. So, one. let's be honest. Let's be real. The front four for the Texas defense, I think, is pretty good. They played I think not bad. well. I think they're okay. I think mm-hmm. they can hang. I think the back seven is a big problem. It is. I think the linebackers are a problem. Giant hole. I think the secondary is a problem. And you see what happens when the offense uh, gets a little bit out of step. Mm-hmm. You see what happens. It's like, it's like they 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 basically they out like they overmatched UTEP. They outgunned Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what happens when they can't outgun somebody. Mm-hmm. If like the if the defense if the offense is only B plus because I don't think the offense was B plus. I didn't think Sam Ellinger was particularly sharp. Uh, throws for two thirty six, four touchdowns, ran for another forty nine yards. But if you are going to be reliant on your on your offense putting up forty plus every game in the Big Twelve, it's not going well. No. And by the way, when's the last time we had a dud? Of a Red River Red River game, like we got coming up this week. Oh, it's so bad. There's no hype around it. There's literally no hype around it. Three combined losses for these teams yeah. going into it. And by the way, they haven't been playing that long. No. Disappointing. It was disappointing. And 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 I don't know. I mean, a lot people are going to look at Keontae Ingram, and they're gonna they're gonna say like the the fumble on the gold line. Um, and look, it stinks. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. No, Secondary, not at all. the defense should not have put him in, a, in that position in the first place. You can't let Max Duggan carve you up. Like well, that. and that's the thing is, I think that's the perfect example of how the front four, not bad, because whenever they stopped TCU, it was the front four getting a sack yep. or, or, or mm-hmm. grabbing a running back quick. But the moment that Duggan was able to cross through that defensive line, they, they couldn't bring him down because the, that back seven cannot – they. Yep. I don't understand what their issue is. It's not very good. They're just not, very just good, not good. And finally, Texas A&M. I mean, part of me for A&M is like I'm not sure what I expected. Um, but here's the thing. I think we now know... Well, we know one thing. And I think that the A&M offense is fine. I don't think it's elite. Mm-mm. I think it's fine. I think that they are very clearly missing some a spark of a wide receiver. Right. Like they do not have that guy. Their leading receiver was a running back. Their second leading receiver was a tight end. Okay. Yeah. They don't have a number one receiver, and that showed in this game. Mm-hmm. That's that's problem one. That's problem one. A lot of people want to crap on Kellen Mond. I thought Kellen Mond was fine. I didn't think it was spectacular. I thought he was fine. I don't think you need to... I, I don't think... Let's put it this way. If you want to say he's not the solution, that's okay. Right. He's not the problem, though. No. You know what the problem is? I think the problem we figured out... And, and again, Alabama's got some great great receivers. Oh, boy, did that secondary get exposed. Yep. Very bad. That secondary got torched by Mac Jones mm-hmm. to the tune of 435 yards. They, that is a, they got torched. And, and look, by the way, if you're, if you're like, if, if, if you're worried about that, now you're going to play in the next couple of weeks, Kyle Trask mm-hmm. for, for Florida. And then you're going to play Mississippi State mm-hmm. in back to back weeks. And by the way, those were two games you weren't anticipating on losing. At the beginning of the season. I know part of it is the schedule. Florida was originally not on the schedule. 
I don't know. This was this was concerning to me. Well, and they, I mean, they held it close for at least a little bit. I mean, it was 14 sure. 14 at one point. No. But then, yeah, what happened then, was well, is when one receiver says, okay, I'm taking over this game, they don't have the people no, to stop no, them. No, the secondary, the secondary had just a breakdown. It was not a great game. And so, look, it's disappointing. Uh, it's not altogether unexpected. I wanted them to be, I, I thought that they were going to be able to hang a little bit more, and obviously they weren't. Mm-hmm. So, a little disappointing. So, there you go. There's your campus crawl. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, was the order penalty yards? No. Defensive yards given up? No. Conference record? No. C- uh, quarterback career rushing yards? No. Okay. Uh, well, I'm it out was, of people's guesses. <laughs> it was stadium home stadium capacity, smallest to largest. Okay. Texas State plays in the smallest stadium, and A&M plays in the largest. So there you go. Interesting. Yeah. I knew it couldn't have been like an actual game stat because of the way that some teams did Houston play were Rice down were, there and then, yeah, yeah, were in the mix of it. So I was like, right. I don't think those are right. But, um, right. yeah, that's my – well, Rob Hadaway said, did you see TJ McDaniel put his dislocated ankle back into place on the field? I specifically – I was told that that happened, and, and I specifically have not, not seen it. I didn't, I and, didn't see and it. And guess what? I'm not going to. <laughs> it's like, for example, I'm 34 years old, never seen the Joe Theismann video. Oh, really? Never yeah, seen it. Gross. Never seen it. Not gonna. Mm-mm. Can't make me. <laughs> Can't make me. I just won't do it. I don't do that stuff. I'm not. That's not my game. I don't. I don't. I don't do injuries. So, anything else? Nope, that's it. It's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks to Laporte coach Anthony Renfro for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.